0: Hello, I'm Dr. Steven Hassan with another episode of the Influence Continuum. And man, oh man, I've been trying to get the next guest for about a year since his book came out. Uh, it was called The Breach, the untold story of the investigation into the January 6th uh, debacle. And Denver Riggleman, uh, I'm so grateful for your willingness to come on to my podcast. I'm just going to read a little more on bio for my listeners to know who you are. But I, I read your book as soon as it came out, and it led to me going, oh my God, Jenny Thomas was saying all this QAnon crap, and I'd already analyzed QAnon as a cult, a uh, psyops and a cult. And then a friend of mine said, you know, you met her in 1986 at a cult conference. She had left Lifespring. I was like, really? Oh, yes, I did meet her. And I met Clarence Thomas. That's right, in 1991. So we dug up the video and it went viral, Denver. Anyway, let me get back to you because you're the, the focus <laughs> of this. And... Um, So Denver Riggleman supported advanced intelligence analysis and technical development programs during his over two decades as an intelligence officer, NSA advisor, federal contractor, research and development technology lead, and a successful CEO of support companies for the Department of Defense. A veteran of the global war on terror and multiple worldwide operations, he served with honors in the United States Air Force for nine active duty years. Riggleman is a former member of the House of Representatives from Virginia's 5th Congressional District, which he represented as a Republican from 2019 to 2021, and the former senior technical advisor for the House Select Committee. To investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. He is the CEO of Riggleman Information and Intelligence Group and co-owner of the award winning Silverback Distillery, which you're into whiskey, if I remember. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, but, yeah. We,
1: we make some bourbon and some rye whiskey for sure. Uh,
0: okay. It's, it's not my, my uh, style, but uh, I, just, I just think you're a very cool guy. Anyway, you live in, in Virginia with your wife and family. And I saw you recently, I don't know if it was on CNN or MSNBC, talking about the insanity that's happening in the United States with politics. Um, and I was like, maybe he's ready to come back on. And I think you're the first former congressman that I've interviewed. So I'm very honored. Thank you, Denver. For
1: Oh, I'm honored, Dr. Hess, and I'm I'm honored to be on here.
0: So listen, uh, as we're recording this such undemocratic, such, you know, chaos and disinformation is happening. You're an intelligence guy. This is your thing. What I loved about your book was that you got Mark Meadows' cell phone. You analyzed the heck out of it. And it was all that data that led to so many other revelations. So maybe let's go back to January 6th, but I'm happy to go anywhere you want. Uh, in this interview, honestly, I think the public needs to understand from experts your take it, on things.
1: Well no, I appreciate it. no it's um you know before I tell you, I wish Dr. Hassan we had his complete phone. you know the one thing that uh, Mark Meadows did was fought the committee uh, to gather his phone records and you know the thing I've been trying to explain to people since the beginning is that the committee didn't have law enforcement authorities. It was a public trust investigation but I tell you, I wish we had uh, the ability to to, to actually um, give him a warrant instead of a subpoena. But we did get a lot of phone records, right? We had about 38 million lines of data, but what he did give up were the text messages. And I will tell you, Dr. Hassan, at that point, I didn't know what we were going to see. I had not seen them yet, but when they did send the text messages that were not identified, they were only phone numbers and content. We knew Mark Meadows, but we didn't know the other phone numbers. It's just amazing to me, uh, that he would give those text messages up so readily based on what, based on what was in them. But it did seem like he, either fear or not realizing, or his lawyers not realizing what he was giving up, I think really was the roadmap of the Rosetta Stone, as I said in the book, or as I said before the book came out, really the Rosetta Stone to the entire investigation. Right. Because uh, it allows to see the, inter- the, the interconnected tissue Right of all the belief systems that were happening simultaneously.
0: Right, and in the world of forensics, because I'm involved with you know expert witness stuff, having the actual data is very, it's it's so powerful.
1: It's so helpful to have the ones and zeros, and not only that, but the content that links to those ones and zeros. And you know, you know, doing telephony analysis for for really two decades, but also all of the types of data aggregation that I did, or taking national data assets, like uh, stuff from maybe NSA or other agencies and combining that with information on the ground. Uh, you know, to be able to, to use those skills after being in Congress as a Republican and then being on the January 6th committee was really not something I expected, Dr. Haas. And that was something that, uh, I don't know, uh, whoever would have thought that, uh, that I would be in that situation where I knew Congress so well, I knew the far right so well, I know how Congress works so well, but I also know data analytics. And I I would say looking at the situational awareness of how people are actually conducting themselves online or how they're using language to radicalize others.
0: Yeah, and I just want to, I guess, compliment you, but it's more than that. I just want to commend you, maybe the right word, that you put country over party. And you, you, you really put your neck out to say, here's here's what I found, this is what I learned, and and um, we need to to address the wrongs that were done. So thank I think you.
1: Com- well, thank you. No, it, it means a lot to me for you to say that, especially with your background and what you know. And But I do think when you look at the entire committee, I think there was a, a lot of people who put their necks out, um, and especially the staff. You know, There was a lot of unsung heroes on the staff that we're never going to hear about that did so much work. And and I it, it would absolutely, I would be uh, offending the team that helped me, the forensic team that actually did the work and built those linkages and the way to make sense of over 30 million lines of data and call records or text messages or social media. Uh, it really was that team. And, and they didn't ask for any credit. Uh, you know, I mentioned a couple of them in the book because yes. I asked their permission. But again, they still haven't gone out. They haven't talked. Uh, they really have are, are just American heroes. And uh, again, never asked for it. I just did the work, and my goodness, those are the real heroes of this country. I think.
0: And for me, studying leadership and ethical groups and unethical groups, uh, I again commend you as a leader for 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 uh, you know acknowledging your people who did the work and they not did just the work. like I did this. I, I I need the glory and all of that. You really. You you're a good model for I oh. hope a lot more people to follow. Please, I,
1: can I tell you, doctor, real quick, Steve? You know it's the word I and we, right? And uh, you know I had a great mentor. He was an old uh, uh, Air Force Special Operations Colonel, and I remember I was in I was in Florida on the beach with him. Not a, it wasn't like it was on a it was on a bay. It wasn't it was it's a it's a weird story. Great place though, and I remember I was talking about I was thirty. I'd just gotten out as a captain. I'd started my own company or I was about to. I was like, well, I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. And I'm just talking. He goes, hold on, hold on, hold on, Denver. hold on, hold on, hold on. He goes, uh, anytime somebody uses I too much, I automatically don't want to listen to him." And, you know, he's from Louisiana. And uh, that one sentence right there, Dr. Hassan, probably affected me more than anything that's really as far as mentorship in the military and after the military is that I had remembered that when I was a captain or when I was an officer enlisted, but coming out, me trying to start companies or me trying to do these things, it wasn't I, it's never I, it's always a we or there's a team effort or people that are behind you. What I found is that if you are a leader, you're actually usually leading people that are smarter than you in each specific discipline. And Right, and that's, that's really a, that's what a really
0: good of. leader is picking people who are smarter than you and not letting your ego get in the way. Well, that I've been
1: very successful.
0: <laughs> me too. Me too. I lo- I love to learn, and honestly, I didn't make my company Stephen Hassan, you know, and Associates. I made it freedom of mind because it's the cause that is what's important, not my name or me.
1: A- amen. Amen amen so that's but again I, I really i really appreciate you talking about the you know the committee and, and talking about the people who gave it up but over 50 people on the committee and then you had the people that were very brave that would come and testify also like the cassie hutchinson's or you know things like that so again i think there's a lot of people who are a part of that and, and but sadly i think where are you are going to go dr hasten sadly i don't know um you know looking back now which has been what over two and a half years is that correct yeah January sick um, 21 I, 21, I think actually January 6th is more uh, applicable today, even that, uh, even uh, you know more applicable today than even when the committee report came out because I think 2024, I think they learned some valuable lessons in their coup-like activities that they can actually take into 2024.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very disturbing. So I don't know how much you know about my background, but I was recruited into a front group of the Moonies cult in 1974. Oh, I read and, about you. And they selected <laughs> me to be, you know, because I am a good talker and I'm six feet tall and whatever. Uh, I had no power, but they, they had me in the room listening to the plans to infiltrate the government and how democracy was satanic and how we mm. had to implement the theocracy to rule the world. And and even one meeting where Moon said, when we take power in America, we will amend the constitution and make it a capital offense for people who have sex outside of the Unification Church weddings. And I, I was a true believer. I thought this was God's will, and I didn't understand how my mind had gotten so hacked from who I was, my values, my background. And it was only a van crash and weeks away from the group, unplugged from the constant indoctrination and sleeping. And then seeing my sister, and then meeting ex-members, and wanting to prove to them I wasn't brainwashed, and I wanting to prove to them I wasn't in a cult. So I agreed to listen, and by the end I was like, "Holy mackerel! This is a version of Chinese communist brainwashing that I was put through." If that,
1: it seems like uh, you know, you know, I was raised LDS. You know, you read my book, right? I was raised Mormon, and you know, and there's it is nothing. It, it's not even comparable, right? As far as the severity of what you just discussed and
0: how you got on the call, right? That's, I've actually uh, forgotten right. your that part of your book. So, yeah, um, that's relevant because a yeah, lot of so, people in intelligence and in the law enforcement community are Latter-day Saints.
1: They absolutely are. And, you know, me, I left, um, and, uh, it, it, that's been something that I think has been difficult at times for my family, but also for friends, you know, that were close to me. Uh, and it, it's not like I'm telling you that LDS or, or Mormonism is some kind of dangerous cult. I don't know. I know your your expertise is, is up there, but the people that I really still deal with in the LDS Church, I love them, right? Great people. Great people.
0: people. Oh. And I Great. I have, uh, you know, business associates and such who are Mormons, and I, I never try to talk anyone out of their their involvement, I do want to confess that I went to Salt Lake City uh, for five days earlier this year and hung out with my friend, excommunicated psychologist John Dolan, and did a bunch of interviews for his Mormon Stories podcast, did a workshop with him, and I learned a ton. And oh. there's, there's a lot of suffering people who grew up LDS, like yeah I, uh, suffering.
1: It, it's um I remember... Um, I went to seminary every morning, you know, at 5 or 5.30 in the morning, and and I certainly remember I asked some questions that were uncomfortable, uh, because I was sort of a voracious reader, and I remember there was was one time where a a church leader told me that me reading books outside of really what was agreed to, or books against the Mormon religion, really amounted to a form of apostasy, right, me as an apostate, because those books were written in a spirit of destroying the one true church. Um, and that's, you know, and, and, you know, spiritual warfare, putting on the armor of God, all that was really, was sort of drummed into me, you know, since I was baptized sure. at eight years old. So, you eight know, years me, I, old,
0: that's a little young. Well, yeah, my, listeners.
1: well, my parents converted when I was five, I think in 1975, you know, I'm 53 now. So, um, but my wife and I actually got married in the temple in 1994 at the DC temple. Mm. Um, but even then, um, you know my wife had actually come into the church with me because she loved me and and I remember we had discussions where she's like honey you know she had an outside view like I love you and stuff but there's some issues here and I'm like well I'm well aware of the issues but faith you know faith and I think by the age of 26 27 I started to look like I'm like hey now this is just I don't know I you know I, I, I met you know I, I went to UVA um, the Military Seminary University of Virginia I started, I wanted to be a theology major. And I think what I, what I started to see is, and then I started reading. I mean, I was always a big reader, but once you start reading the Joseph Campbell's or, you know, things like that, you start to say, well, you know, I think, and, and I already had the doubts from the age of 10. I bet. Um, based on some of the questions I was asking. And I think all of a sudden it wasn't, a lot of people said, well, it seemed like a long time. Well, I would say by the age of 20, even when we were married in the temple, I was like, what am I doing here? I think by the age of 24, 25 to 29, I think you saw me like sort of go off the cliff away from LDS. But by 1999, 2000, it was, it was sudden. Like I'm like, okay, that, uh, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate to be that way. Like, I don't want to use the word ridiculous about a whole faith and, and incredible people. But to me, the, the, the tenets of the religion were so unbelievable and unfathomable then it was tough for me to even think that my belief system or I could suspend disbelief you know, to do that any longer.
0: Right. Well, I'll just say that I was approached by uh, the attorney generals of Utah and Arizona to do a training about the FLDS, the Fundamentalist mm-hmm. Latter-day Saints, Warren Jeffs is in jail. Um, I was on Dr. Phil helping two 15-year-olds who ran away and didn't want to marry 60-plus-year-old guys. And then I got an invitation by the Ex Mormon Foundation in two thousand to come to Salt Lake City, and I'm like, "Why would you want me to speak there? FLDS is a cult. Right. You're not a cult. You're a religion." They're like, "Just come and we'll chat, and we, you know, present your bite model." So I did, and I had two hundred and fifty <laughs> ex Mormons, many former fifth generation fourth, right. fifth, sixth generation Mormons, and as I'm talking about brainwashing and the Moonies and China, the bobbing heads in the audience, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. But the thing that really flipped me was the fellow who spoke after me did a talk. He had been a professor at their training institute, and his talk was called uh, Deception as a Management Tool of the of the LDS Church. And he started with Joseph Smith and lies from him. And he ended up with a recording where he was talking with his superior saying, so you're telling me I have to lie to my students in order to continue to teach here? And the guy said, yes, that's correct. And he said, well, I quit. But by the end of that thing is like, I have to learn a lot more about this Organization.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it I think that's what has given me a bit not just the data, right? Hi doggy. <laughs> hey doggy. Uh it's not just the data. Uh it's the fact that I think I'm a little bit more empathetic, you know, to the evangelical bent and things like that. But on the other hand, I also I'm always fighting Dr. Hassan between being empathetic and being enraged. And I've a couple times I've had to I really had to ask for apologies when, you know, when I, when I see something so ridiculous, you know, it's automatically me taking a baseball bat, and I've even done it on social media where I'm like, somebody's got to see how ridiculous this is. But instead of bringing them closer to me, it seems like I push them away even further. And I know that that would have that would have happened to me if I was still active in the Mormon Church. If somebody said, "You're not the one true church," Joseph Smith isn't the one true pop prophet. I'd say, you know, you're you're an apostate. You know, you need to right. come to the one true church, right? You need to actually. Take uh, some meetings from the missionaries, right? Right. That's what I would say, right? And so I get it, but on the other hand, it does. It's it's always this sort of this balance between being empathetic and just being angry. And I think that's a, It's just a weird way to live, you know.
0: So I'm gonna put my therapist hat on, even though this. <laughs> I want to get back to your expertise on January sixth, but I would urge you to think about being compassionate rather than empathetic. Because when you're doing empathy, you're stepping into the person's shoes. Right. And you grew up there.
1: I did. (laughs) Versus
0: all of you is now out. Right. You can can have compassion that you could have been like that person the way they're talking. But, um, you know, there is an empathy trap where people are you know, lose their own boundaries, their own values. And um, when something is really harmful or really wrong, anger works, you know, to, to that righteous <laughs> indignation, like how dare they lie or how dare they invade yeah. the nation's capital and say it was a tourist experience. Well, like, come on.
1: Andrew Clyde, which I couldn't believe, you yeah. know, that, you know, it just, no, you're right. You know, And I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. And yep. I, yeah, there's compassion there. But I, it's just, it, again, the, you're right about stepping into their shoes. You can get a little bit sideways. And, and then,
0: yeah, it's, um, it's been a trip. So it's I, been a trip I, I forgive me. I just have to ask you this uh, one question because it's been a real source of potential dissonance for me. So Mitt Romney was a bishop. He ran for the Republican, you know, uh, presidential uh, position. And then he voted for the impeachment one thing with Trump and the LDS church turned on him. And I was watching like he get on a plane and people were booing him and treating him horribly. And I and I had to, you know, say I'm I want to. And he had written before Trump even was nominated that this is a con man, like he had done all of that before. But at the point that the organization turned on him and he was so prestigious, it just never made sense to me. Do you have any insight into what that is about? I really don't. I mean, I, I um,
1: you know, and looking at that, you know, he's at, at times he seems to have so much courage. Right. And then, you know, it, it's it's and he's not a stupid man. I mean, Mitt's a very intelligent man. Uh, I still find it interesting. I will tell you, even if I had, it maybe wasn't the whole LDS church, maybe it was a segment or people that did turn on them, maybe outside of it. But I do think that if I had anybody in the LDS church, right, at, at any position of authority saying, hey, <clears throat> maybe you shouldn't have voted for impeachment for Trump, or maybe you shouldn't have done that. And I was there, right? I I voted against it, you know, twice in my first term, right? Wow. And, you know, following party lines, right? Yeah. And, um, so I get it. I get both. And that's what's been, because even when I, I remember being down the floor and I'm like, man, because I, you know, I read the Mueller report and, you know, you know, I'm, I'm getting besieged, right? You got to follow the line. You're already down. Denver, you already believe in marriage equality. So you're already screwed. So you better vote this way. You're gonna. The crazier people are going to beat you. Boy, I could go into that, Dr. Hassan. It would blow your mind, you know, the 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 decision tree of how you go down the slope of giving away your conscience, right? Um This is so, this
0: is your time. I just want to make sure we have enough time to talk about January 6th, oh, but girl. I well, think yes. this is fascinating to talk with a former Republican congressman who lived history yeah, and is saying, Yeah, I was following the party line because of I didn't want to. You know, buck the system. I was getting a lot of pressure. I wanted to be reelected. Whatever.
1: Yeah, I would have been the only one on the House floor, right? And I had already told people it's, it feel it felt very slimy. But you know, then you rationalize, well, it doesn't reach the impeachment factor, right? Or that threshold based on the Mueller report, right? Based on Barr, and you know, and I thought it was very political. There are some issues on the other side too, and I can go into that at some point. But the real issue here for me is that I had already done so much to buck the system, even to, even at the beginning. That I'm, people are like, Denver, you're already down the line. I mean, this is a guy who joined the Climate Change Caucus and believed in marriage equality and legalization of marijuana. Oh, and, I
0: knew I liked you, I, but I didn't know all of these <laughs> positions that right? you had taken. So,
1: I mean, I'm a Republican doing this. And like you like, dude, you're done already if you don't do this. And so there's these, these kind of things that you sort of – You know, and that's why people said, well, Denver, why wouldn't you run for Congress again? I I see, you know, I don't know if my, I've learned so much, I'd be a different person. But being a different person, if you're 100% down the line on integrity, and you're not willing to give up some of your values or morals or some of your position points, it's very difficult to be elected. So I tell people that having 100% integrity and being elected in Congress is sometimes mutually exclusive.
0: (laughs) yeah. It's so sad, and we need to get dark money out for the left and the right. And we need to, you know, get back to uh, serving the public and thinking about our future and our children and our grandchildren's future. Agreed. 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 So, as we're doing this interview, there's so much craziness with Trump being charged with the documents uh, with, with, with politics and that we almost defaulted on our, our financial obligations as a country, but thank God we didn't. But I really, i really want to hear your, I want you to talk about what you found in your analysis for the January 6th committee, but I'm really interested in how that affects today. Cause you said it's almost the same thing and worse happening today or Right. Well, I
1: think uh, I always say this and people start to laugh. Right. Dr. Hass, I say, uh, you know, past performance is usually indicative of future performance. Now, it doesn't have to be.
0: <laughs> but well, it is. the Bible says, you know, the tree by the fruit it bears. But, right. So, so to, to quote <laughs> so, that one,
1: we could do that. We could do it. Right. So I think the other thing, too, is there's another term that's so military, but it's something that it's how I think. And so I, I and I'm trying to keep this, you know. Not military and not you know yep. weaponering specific, but it's it's TTPs, right? It's uh you know it's uh, techniques ta- or tactics, techniques, tactics and procedures, and how people actually um, execute a plan. And I think on January sixth, you know a lot of people say, "Oh, it was so stupid they couldn't have executed." It. They were very close, and since I saw all of the data and I saw how they were using presidential executive orders to rationalize their behavior how they were trying to manipulate all three branches of government, right? When you're looking at you know the political, you know, looking at the executive, the legislative and the judicial side, they had their legal strategy, they had their executive strategy and they had their legislative strategy. Right. But you know there was something sort of bounding that and that was the militant strategy, you know, with those that were being radicalized right through fundraising, hyperbole, digital and alternative media. So you're like, okay, January 6th they failed, but I think the lesson was well learned. Because when I sit in depositions, right, with an Enrique Tarrio or with a Bernie Carrick, there's now this sense that they can change it from the inside, that they can change it from the local and state levels. And I don't have to have this sort of this outward push, you know, this, mm. this, uh, this sacking of the Capitol or this intimidation tactics from the president of the United States to, to really force that party line. I'm, I'm bringing it full circle to yeah. voting the party line. Yeah. And when you talk about 139 congressmen, right, actually voted to object to the electors and eight senators. You're talking about 147 actually voted that way after the January 6th violence. And I think I know people maybe remember this when they said like, oh, yeah, but they've forgotten January 6th is stored in the rearview mirror. But I guess what I'm saying about the data we're even seeing today, and I have seen it, the same people that participated in January 6th or helped coordinate it are the same people running for office now. And they're also the same individuals that are supporting that individual running for office. Yep. And you really haven't seen a whole lot of accountability to people like the Bernie Kerricks, Rudy Giuliani's, the Sidney Powell's, uh, the Alex Jones, the Roger Stone's, the Mike Flynn's, right? Those people, even though everybody thinks there's something that should happen, they really are still moving down that path. And I think they figured out better ways. They've changed their TTPs. Yeah where I believe 2024, they might even be more effective if we're not looking at how they're doing things. And just fortunately, I was able to see all the separate groups in the data that were talking to each other, right? And that that really gives me insight, I think, that other people don't, because I've seen more metadata, my team has seen more metadata and call records than anybody in the country, maybe besides the FBI Mm -hmm. and what happened that day. And I, I think that's the unique insight, is that they were able to have rally planners working with the Trump family, working with Trump associates, working with DOJ charged defendants, working with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, working with state legislators, working with alternate electors, and that whole bunch, that whole mass was actually connected with specific individuals and groups that were able to coordinate those activities. That's command and control. That's what happened on January 6th. We know it was much more coordinated than people like to think. And I think they've really learned a lot of lessons going into uh, 2024.
0: Yeah. And as I learned when I was researching the cult of Trump, the new Apostolic Reformation churches and megachurches, which has an 40 million, 50 million Americans, and something like 950 million worldwide, they have this is not Christianity. The media is misrepresenting that this is evangelical Christians. This is, these are authoritarian cults where people are saying, I, the opposite of what we started with. I am a prophet, I am an apostle, I can get revelation directly from God and you have to be blindly obedient to me and I'll protect you from demons invading you because and I can cast yeah. out demons. And they're the ones who said Trump won the 2020 election and for them and to sh- say, oops, means that they're not a prophet and they should be stoned according to, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the Old Testament or the Torah, right? So the, and, and then now there's you're a right. schism happening with NAR, the, some that are sticking with the, he will really actually won. And then the others are going, I'm not so sure. Everybody said that there's no evidence that he won. I
1: t- you're on top of it. Um, you know, when you're talking about the NAR and you're talking about, you know, like the uh, Reawaken. Is it the Reawaken America tour with Mike Flynn? Yep. Um, it's so funny you just mentioned that. I was just watching the MAGA prophet, you know, uh, the brawl, right? Where you have some prophets saying the other ones are false prophets, right? I'm like, what is, this is unbelievable. And people are actually taking sides on this sort of this this um, this apostolic, you know, cage match, yep. right, when it comes to Trump. But it's funny you said 40 to 50 million people. I, I saw that poll, you know, the press, I think the press really is a bit clueless.
0: Um, a, a lot, Clueless. And they won't so have was, me on. It's really was, interesting that, you know, well, they, they talk they about st- the cult of Trump all the time. But why have the guy who wrote the book? Well, why would why would they have you on there when they can have uh,
1: when they can have a Mark Short who worked for Pence, so they can have one of the Trump's lawyers right. that helps them with clicks and money? Right. You know, and, I, and that's one of the things I've been talking about is that, you know, there's some there are some good people in the media. There's some yeah. great journalists have done great work. But I think if you're looking for ratings um, you really do, uh, you throw some cold water on their Trump ratings, Dr. Hess. Right. And so yeah. I'm sorry to tell you, you know, you're- <laughs> I just want to <laughs>
0: preserve our human rights and sanity for, for the public. But well, um, it's, it's,
1: it's noble. Yeah. And, uh, it, and you probably have seen more in the cult side of things than maybe damn well, probably anybody in the country, right? If you think about your experience and where you came from, and that is so invaluable.
0: Um, and I've had a lot of help. I want to thank all of the people <laughs> who've taught me about the, the Dominionists, the Seven Mountain Dominionism of Seven Lance Wallnow, and, and people are like, oh, Mark Burnett was in charge of the, the media and he did The Apprentice. Uh-huh. Yes. And, you know, and connect the dots. They want to take over. Like, this is a plan to take over.
1: Did Mark Burnett do Survivor
0: also? Yes, and Shark Tank and a few other things.
1: And by the way, it was season 32 contestant, Anna Kate, who was the one who talked about Obama and Biden killing SEAL Team 6. That's what actually got me sideways. Look at that transition, Steve. That's what got me sideways um, with actual my own family, but got me completely sideways with the party when I came out against Trump and QAnon when he retweeted. The Obama Biden conspiracy theory that they killed SEAL Team Six on some kind of odd deal with Iran because we actually killed Osama bin Laden's body double. Um, that was Anna Kate. She was season thirty-two of Survivor, I believe, is who she was, right? And um, I, I got to tell you, the fact that you just said all that, you know, and that's why I love having these conversations is people can understand the progression of people that are in this sort of big ecosystem of nuttiness. But just
0: because they're crazy doesn't mean they're stupid. Oh, exactly. Or that their minds got hacked and they think yes. that they're making their own decisions as I did when I was a Mooney. But all my family and friends were like, this is not the Steve that we know, the poet who liked girls and played basketball and yeah. you know, was working as a banquet waiter at the Holiday Inn on weekends while he was going to college. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah. It's
1: absolutely, and it's scary, yeah. right? I'm not taking away from how scary that must have been for that realization to hit you like it did. But it's also fascinating that, I mean, you're obviously a brilliant guy, right? And I think I think what happens, you know, even for me, people are like, well, these are a bunch of morons or ignoramuses. Well, I can tell you that I don't think Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene are very smart. But I'm not going to automatically apply stupidity to, honestly, to Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. or to anybody hype in the leadership chain, the Republican Party, because they absolutely know what their polling and fundraising is telling them. Mm. And they have to go down this line if they're going to get reelected. And maybe, God, I'd love to one day talk about that is that, you know, what makes you that person where no matter what, you have to get to that portion of leadership? And that takes a lot of ambition, takes a lot of motivation. I think it also takes a lot of sort of selling pieces of your soul off as you roll up those type of ladders.
0: And, so I'm going to and- just go back to the cult of Trump and say that he was raised in Peel's uh, church and uh, uh, the ideology of the power of positive thinking, where if, if you doubt, it's satanic, it's evil. So you should only have positive thoughts about everything. That connects the dots with all these prosperity ministers who yes. are like, believe that you can be a millionaire and you will magically be a millionaire. In the meantime, give me money for my third plane and my second Rolls-Royce. <laughs> and people are forgetting Jesus said, No, you know, take care of the poor and the sick. Not rich people ain't gonna get to heaven. They forget all of that, right? But it's that. That, that greed, the power, money, fame, deception, away from real core values and principles. They forget
1: that scripture with the camel and the eye of a needle or something yes, like that. Yes, it's,
0: it's, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to, you know, go through the eye of a needle. It may be a mistranslation with the they camel, should, but... but, you know, the idea is, is uh, understandable, Right and, uh, but so um, there's so many directions I want to go with it. I do. You wanna, go anywhere you want to go. I want to ask ready. you: Have you heard of fourth generation warfare and William course. Lind? Of course. Uh-huh. Please tell me it. what you know about it, because it was a revelation <laughs> for me. Oh. And a Stanford PhD who did his doctorate on William Lind and this actually analyzed March sixth. On my podcast, two March months 6th after or
1: January,
0: 6th, January, 6th, January 6th, Sorry, yeah. he came on March six, but it was January about. And he, he's a he's an you know, intelligence analyst who knows fourth gen. And he said this was a military operation. This was a formation. This was all planned, and it, and he was spot on. And yes, tell 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 us about sure. uh, William uh, Lind and who met with Trump and Paul Weirich and the Christian right.
1: Well, and you can also talk about Mike Flynn's fifth generation, right? Uh, yes, like which, which right? is QAnon. Uh, yeah, which, oh gosh, I I love this stuff. I apologize, but I think- uh,
0: Don't apologize, <laughs> so, I love uh, it too. I'm so yeah. honored to have this opportunity and to share our- Oh, this is
1: great. I think when, when you talk in fourth generation well, uh, warfare, I told somebody the other day, and I think you're gonna really appreciate this, um, I said, you know, people talk about the forever war that happened in Afghanistan and things like that. I said, information warfare is the forever war. So, you're talking about combining different effects in the battle space, right? Uh, and you're you're combining them in a simultaneous push, right? And it's and it's really the best way that I can say this. It's a combination of non-kinetic tactics and kinetic tactics, yep. right? So, um, and so you're talking about, you know. Levering or radicalization through certain types of platforms, making sure that you're using um, the best way I can say it is decentralized control, right? Where people know their tactics, where there's not a direct line of you know command and control, but they actually know what tactics they need to do, right? But simultaneously, they're also pushing specific types of information out into the ecosystem, right, right? to make an effect not only for fundraising, right, but actually to affect movement on the ground or affect movement in the digital space right to make right. to affect movement in the political space. And you know, when I talk, you know, when you talk about the generations of warfare which we had to learn in intelligence training and things like that, I think when you see individuals talking about fourth generation and then the and, and again I say crazy not stupid, but the individuals that seem to be part of and I'm I'm just going for, full circle back to you by the way. So when you're talking about the nar you know, and you're talking about Reawaken America and you're talking about Flynn and you're talking about the Christian nationalist push and those who have self-identified like Marjorie Taylor Greene and the fifth generation side, I think what they're trying to do is trying to go from first, second, third, you know, fourth generation types of combination of information operations and physical activity. I think they're pushing into, hey, we got to do some more stuff, right? Now we have to actually, it almost seems to be almost a nationalistic push, right, to get people into the sphere of digital soldiers and digital warriors. Yep. So... I hope that helps. That no, I definitely... think it's
0: also international. People are saying there's popularist you know, movements around the world. Bolsonaro and 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 of course Putin and and she. But there's a lot of NAR people around the world, and I think this is an international uh, uh, conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy theory. They're actual people who have left and outed it and we know about the Council Council for National Policy. I just want to say two more things about um, Fourth Generation Warfare for my listeners. It's, it's aimed at creating chaos mm-hmm. and distrust in experts, in science, in institutions so that people are so disoriented that they can be influenced by an authoritarian that comes in with certainty and rep- repetition over and over and over. Got, I got this. I know this. Blah blah blah. Um, and and the solution, as I understand it, of fourth generation warfare is explaining it to everybody. Like this is not a, This is not just happening spontaneously.
1: And I should've gone further information warfare when I'm talking about that is destabilizing, right? And it's, um, you know, you're right about this complete distrust in anything that has expert or data or doctor, right? Even somebody like me, I remember I was in my distillery, you know, and uh, gosh, we've had hundreds of thousands of people come through there in nine years. And I actually have people that I've known Steve for years and I will tell them down the line. Here's what happened, and they, because they asked me. Yeah. Said you want to know? Yep. Yes. And I am compassionate, right? I tell them what's going on, and they said, "Well, I had one guy, and I'm, and I, and I wish, I wish somebody could have been there with me that understood what was happening. One of the most incredible men. His, he has a gay son. He completely loved that I did a, a same-sex wedding. One hundred percent supported me. And I go through the data streams of why there's a certain people underneath a Trump that were very responsible, what happened on January 6th, that it was not just some random, that's what he asked. He goes, wasn't this just a bunch of people who gone nuts? No. So I went through all the data lines and he said this, and this is, and then I, I don't care if people say, I don't care what they say, I don't lie about it, straight up. He goes, well, are you telling me his favorite show, which I found at that point was Tucker Carlson, are you telling me that this patriot purge thing isn't real then? And I almost did not know what to say. I I said not only my friend is it not real, right? It's fabricated on a level that's hard for me to even define. And he said this. Well, then who do I believe? Why would I believe? I don't know. I haven't I don't see your data. I don't see what you see. I don't see what he sees. So really, you're just saying the same thing from the opposite
0: side. Um, so you want to know what I say? Yeah, I'd like to know. I'd I like take know. a scientific kind of thing that I'm, I'm willing to change my mind based on evidence and on data. And when it came to the vaccine for COVID, I said, honestly, I don't know all the science, but I have a very close friend for 20 years who's at Children's Hospital, she got her PhD at Harvard School of Public Health, and when she takes the vaccine and she says it's safe, I'm gonna take it, because I know Elisa. I trust Elisa. Go to people that you actually know in real life, <laughs> you know, because there is a certain act of faith, but you also wanna combine it with an expertise in a particular area Beautiful. that is, beautiful. is happening. And I'm going to add, I, I, um, there's a book called The Knowledge Illusion, Denver, uh, by two cognitive neuroscientists, and they basically showed that people walk around thinking they know how things work, but when they're actually asked to explain, like, how does a toilet flushing, how does it actually work when you press the lever? They can't I explain it. the science. Well, but they what said those, uh, what this- we do as human beings we're 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 community based we're we're part of a bigger community so when we need to know something specific we go to experts and look for information and what is so destructive right now is people will go online to Google or whatever and they don't they don't know how to analyze the trustworthiness of sources Oh, gosh
1: darn it, you beat me again. I the, the only thing that I could say is like, do you trust a vetted source who's done this for 20 years or a Tucker Carlson? That's all I could say, right? Right, and um, you just, the fact that you went to the, the doctor, I'm like, oh man, he's already ahead. Steve's already ahead of where I was going to go on sourcing because the only thing I ask people is that when you look at my past performance for sourcing and what I'm willing to say I'm wrong about or right about based yeah. on data, I've been pretty good. When you go to Tucker Carlson, nothing he says is correct that's been proven, right? We know that, we already know that through court cases. We know that through actual legal sourcing, that there's real issues with Tucker Carlson sourcing himself or that his ability to lie or is admitting to lying. Right. So now we're, and so when I even say that, again, there still seems to be this pushback from people that are center right to far right that somehow me as a former Republican, I must, I must have, there's something must have happened to me to where I think that the Republican Party all of a sudden is in a hold my beer moment, right? And I think that's pretty interesting to watch the look on their face. And I'm like, well, Denver, you know, you, you you, voted for Trump. No, actually, I didn't vote for Trump, my friends. So um, they're like, oh, <laughs> so it's it's a, it's just a really interesting dynamic as I'm trying to pull them into me and get them close and hug them, you know, a little bit. Yeah, so and, know,
0: and, data and, and, and real friendship. Goes beyond beliefs or, you know, ideology. Yeah, and absolutely I do love I, the guy. I've been I'm saying to people, you know, don't, if you've un, if you've blocked people or, or haven't talked to people for years, just call them up and say, I miss you. I want you in my life. And then if yeah. they say, well, you called me bad names and you say, I'm sorry, I, I really, you know, value you and I want to do over. Like, what can I say? that you will accept and just start with real life and and don't think that followers on the internet are equivalent to real friends in real life amen
1: amen that is you can say that every day i don't think people can hear that enough you know i i just that is absolutely brilliant and well people need to be
0: realigned to values and and common sense and golden rule like don't do to others what you don't want done to you don't Amen. don't if you see somebody treating someone badly ask yourself would I want to be treated that way or what if they were treating my mother that way or my sister that way would I defend them damn right I would right so, damn right damn that, right and
1: no and that's and and what you're saying about reaching out and connecting with people um, being compassionate and how you're approaching this. I think does lead into the future because I think we're gonna have these arguments into up until November of 2024. And I think there's gonna be people who really are nefarious in action uh, or have nefarious, I would say, Intentions. motives.
0: Intentions, yeah.
1: Right, and I think that they're leveraging people who aren't bad people at all, but they're utilizing them almost or weaponizing them to do things based on an apocalyptic belief system where it's good against evil.
0: Yep. All or nothing, black and white, us versus right. them. Very low on the developmental scale, by the way. Back to childhood. Yeah. Lack of nuance. Dad <laughs> or mom. Now, what do I? What do I do? Dad or mom. And <laughs> if you were right. raised in a family where you were corporally punished, you're going to be more likely to follow an authority figure uh, who who says obey. And that's the opposite of healthy parenting, where you want to encourage your child to grow up to be themselves, even if it means they don't follow your exact belief system or religious uh, orientation, but that they're good people and that they're responsible people.
1: Well, that's, um, again, you know, I just feel very proud, you know, of what we, you know, I was still a pretty strict dad as a military dad and still coming through that whole transition and and you know, my wife, God love her. I said nine years of active, but I was two years in college going through ROTC, so it was eleven years of me being more or less separated from my family as mm. I went to college and I worked, or I was deployed, or I was in war zones. You know those things, type of things. Right. Um, but I think we do have three daughters that have really sort of bloomed with their own paths and their own belief systems and what they need to do. Um, but I will tell you, uh, you know, being the oldest of eight. Um right, there there definitely were control mechanisms put on me that, that probably today would be you know looked at sideways, right? Yeah. Up, right. For sure. And um, I just feel very fortunate, Dr. Hassan, that just call me Steve. Well I know, but it's 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 you know, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to um, you know serve in multiple capacities and, and still be here and even despite mistakes. And I think it's it's really learning how to sort of separate yourself from from people who say that they know what's best for you, and then understanding that sometimes the people who say they know what's best for you are the people that are actually leading you down a path to destruction. And I just want people to be able to sort of open up and see those who have purposes that are completely opposite to what they're telling you, because they're grifters, sociopaths, they're smart enough to manipulate you, or they're true believers. Or they're uh, state think,
0: actors. Or or their state like
1: oh, and let me tell you, we could that that'd be another podcast, my friend. Well we'll oh, have so, to
0: do it again.
1: Yeah, we would, we would. But yeah, again, I think seeing January sixth, you know, bring full circle, I think my biggest fear is that January sixth is gonna be repeated in a way that we're not ready to be flexible enough to react to it because we're still afraid to look at it in a way that needs to be looked at. And we still need another year. We need another year or two with the data to see how many actual actors were involved. Um, but that data was taken from me, right? The committee has it went to the archives, the data sequestered and it's encrypted, and I know that it hasn't probably come back out for study. And I think at some point we have to take those thirty million plus lines back out, and we have to really dig into every single way that they were connected and and how that tissue was actually able to coordinate on January sixth. That's that's how what do we need to do, do, do
0: that? That sounds like an action item that we should put, you know, to the public that this is something that will help us in the future because they are going to evolve and they're going to learn from their mistakes and we have to be prospectively trained. I just want to add my former cult has a gun factory that makes AR-15s and the other one has a church that says revelation says that the rod of iron is an assault rifle and they have two training compounds in Tennessee and Waco, Texas because they want civil war in the streets. And what are we going to do to prepare? Because they are preparing for violence insurrection.
1: And you know, I think it's better that, I think people putting their head in the sand is, is where people feel more comfortable. And I think believing that can happen here, even after January 6th, which was should be shocking to everyone. I think, they're, I think they have put it in their rearview mirror and there's no way that can happen again. But I promise you that the improvements that needed to happen in the security apparatus, and the intelligence apparatus, and the logistics apparatus, uh, really I don't think have been effective, and I don't believe that they've they've been made to a level where we could protect the capital or state capital buildings or or identify where that violence is coming from in real time. And that's and, and you know there's always a balance between civil liberties, the First Amendment, right, and intelligence gathering. Right. But somewhere somebody has to find that line, and I think. Um, I think when you're talking about churches that preach that the right of iron is an AR-15, or when you're talking about, you know, I, I believe that. I mean, does your church is at the Washington Examiner also? That Washington they have,
0: Times is owned
1: by the movies. Washington Times. Washington Times, right? So I'm, I'm. Um, it's just amazing to me that we still have the majority of the public. I don't think that the danger is right there next to them, or with them, or they're a part of it and they don't know it. And, and that's my job. I mean, I might be. Spitting in the wind, Steve, but I'm gonna to continue to move forward and do the best I can. Well, I'm
0: with you. I wanna I wanna talk some more with you, but I'll say that st- you know, sticking your head in the sand is a dysfunctional long-term strategy. It may be a good <laughs> short-term strategy, but <laughs> what works better is to have a plan that's actionable. You may not have the resources right now, the money or the people organized. But I've been saying for years, well, I wrote in in the book, you know if he wasn't reelected, there'd be violence. like and I quoted Jim Jones. like well, I, well, I, I wasn't you, a prophet. I just have studied cult leaders for a really long time. You have some expertise there. So I have right? you some got expertise, a little bit. But a the little point bit is I've been saying, well, we need to get a bunch of people together in a room. Right. And really make a strategic plan that's going to be effective, not necessarily announce it to the enemies who are trying to take down our democracy.
1: Tell you sounds like the deep
0: state, Steve. Sounds like the deep state. Yeah, well we 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 need to (laughs) think clearly about what's actually happening. And you know, regarding the deep state, the the, I would just wanna comment words that are thought-terminating cliches. That's one of the Chinese communist brainwashing tools. Right. Um, so I'm against authoritarianism on the left and the right. I want Amen. like people to be diverse, have different religions, have freedom to choose. I support human rights, women's rights, gay rights. Um rights for people to not believe. Like If you're going to have freedom of religion, you have to have the freedom to not believe and be looked at with equal status, not be treated as if there's something wrong with you. That's another Chinese communist uh, thing called dispensing of existence. This is from my mentor, Dr. Robert J. Lifton, whose book helped me get out, Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism, 1961. Dispensing wow. of Existence, it's in chapter 22, it says, if you're in the group, then you have a right to exist. If you leave the group, you have no right to exist. That's a, and that's cancel it like, culture. It is. It also
1: sounds a little bit like
0: basic training. A <laughs> joke again, joke. But, no, I but, think uh, that there's, a, you know, <laughs> so I'm gonna hold up my influence continuum. But controlling it. behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions. That's right. If it's done with informed consent, with the rule of law, if you're signing a contract, you're getting paid, you can exit with honor. Right. It's not the same as being in one of these extreme things. But uh, you it? have to have something to be able to be a military person, carry a gun and shoot at people.
1: I think that's part of it, too, that, uh, you know, um, you're right about signing a contract and willingly doing something, you know, with a mission that has a parameter set and there's an end date. Yes, um, that's sort of something too, right? Um, totally. But I think you know. But uh, you know, the things that you're saying really are disturbing, and um, and I think you're right about a plan. And uh, you know, for me, so I got the book out. Um, the left and the right weren't real happy. Data is powerful can make everybody mad. Uh, but I think what, what happened was I got called by certain people and movie producers and stuff to look at movies. But instead of I'm going that route, but I think the other route that I need to go is I don't know if a congressman's ever gone in and then come back out and started a company back into technical and uh, intelligence analysis, which I've done. Mm. And, you know, with people that really support me in a very niche area, in that niche area that I'm looking at really is domestic terrorism, radicalization and really how to character, characterize that using technology, right? What are the centers of gravity where that's happening? And it's just, I saw the gaps in the J6 data and I saw the gaps in the data that I'm doing now that I think is a really tough for the US government to identify because it's just, it's it's very complex. But on the other hand, it also takes a unique, I think a unique set of skills. And I think a unique, yeah. back, a unique background in being raised the way I was. And that's really yeah. it. I mean, it's not rocket science for me, It's just looking at data, how people are acting, where they're putting that data, and what that cause is, and Mm -hmm. what their belief systems are as they move forward. And it's really interesting to watch that. So that's why I'm going to do my little piece and do the best I can. I'm one of, what, 340 million in the United States, you know, Steve? Yeah, but
0: you're special. And honestly, I didn't understand that you didn't finish your job of analyzing and that the data is sequestered and encrypted and that there's more that we need to get out of that data. And to me, that should be a very highly publicized need. uh, There should be an
1: executive working group that's identified immediately to look through all that data because it's public trust data. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't have geolocation, doesn't have civil liberties type of data in it because Congress can only look at so so many types of data. But it does have all two from data and it has and it shows you every type of communications, whether it was VoIP, whether it was landline, cell phone, SMS, MMS, right. right? So it would be really valuable to anonymize that data, right? And to look at those groups without their specific names to see if there were group dynamics or functions that were happening. And I think we found a lot of that, but there's so much more to do with that that amount of data. and then And then mixing that with social media data to see the people that were talking to each other on regular lines and how they were on to uh, yeah. actual other virtual communications or how they were actually discussing things on social media. That needs to happen.
0: Yep. And Cyber- I can't I can't social- end Denver without saying that, Stuart, Sorry, that was a lot of Stuart, Stuart Rhodes so- has been convicted of seditious conspiracy. Very proud of that. proud mm-hmm. boys are going to jail. I want Trump to be charged and I want him to be tried, and all the other promoters. Who instigated all of these other people and gave them money and empowered them. Cause in my in my doctoral dissertation on how to update the law for undue influence, there's the influencee and the influencer. And just punishing Absolutely. people without looking at who influenced them and holding them accountable, it's not gonna work for justice either
1: not at all you know you just can't have the line people right the the poor saps the the thousand doj charged defendants is the ones that are accountable right for things that were done at much higher levels
0: right and a lot of them said i did it because trump told me to the president told me to so he (sighs) needs to be held accountable sad state of affairs isn't it well, that's I'm going to keep there. saying it and, you know, because he really needs to be held accountable and people who are malignant narcissists will keep degenerating and get more dangerous and more dangerous over time unless they're stopped. Well, that's why I'm going to keep going too.
1: And uh, I'm not going to stop. And and it just, uh, and just again, your expertise, just having this conversation, I learned stuff today. So I, mean, I learned
0: I learned a lot too, but I, I'm gonna go over just a few minutes and just say yeah. I wanna ask you say your 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 speech to somebody who maybe is starting to surface some doubts about Trump and the 2020 election and is wondering about things. What would you advise them to do?
1: Oh, that's an incredible question. I think if right now, and I've had this discussed with a few people, so you probably know this. <laughs> Usually how I start is pretty interesting, especially if I know the person. I'm like, do you trust me? Do you love me, right? And I'm like, I'm gonna tell you something. I said, there is nobody who's leading people, say it's like a President Trump, that would, I would say the one thing I want you to take away is nobody should be inactive when other people are being harmed. And, and I say, you know, I've done this for 20 years. Um, I've gone after bad people and I've protected good people. I've looked at radicalizing language. I looked at how people are actually weaponized. I looked at what they say, right, how they change, right? And the one thing I would tell you, if you're thinking maybe maybe this isn't for me, maybe, maybe I am having doubts about President Trump, would you follow anybody, would you trust anybody that will allow other people to get hurt, right? And either not do anything, make light of it, right? or actually encourage it or try to rationalize it after it happened.
0: Mm.
1: I said, if that's where you're at, if that's it, do you think it was okay what happened on January 6th? I can't help you. Mm. But if you think that there's something horribly wrong about that many law enforcement individuals being hurt or people saying to hang a vice president, right? Or the awful things they were saying about leaders based on fantasy, If you think there's something wrong with that, I humbly submit that maybe you should look at people that will help you get to where you need to be. And say, I will always be here if you need to phone me, if you need to call me. But I never lied to you and I never will. And if you're like, Denver's never lied to me and he served this country faithfully and he did things that cost him where he sacrificed because he thought he was doing the right thing. If that's what you think I am, I promise you right now, I am telling you the truth and I will not lie to you and I'm here for you and if you ever doubt it I will show you the facts because data and facts is where we need to be and that's I'm how I would do very it
0: very grateful and you 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 just you know mirrored my whole my spiel um, because I don't lie and if I make a mistake I acknowledge it or if I change my mind I explain why I changed my mind and you know I have a body of of you know, experience and then academic research and field experience, helping people get out of all types of cults and de-radicalize them. So I'm going to tell you the truth. If, if I'm missing something, please give, give me information. Otherwise, it seems pretty clear that my theories, my models have substance and are worthy of, of you to really dig in. That's it? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. That's it. I Absolutely down the line. That is it. Well, I I look forward to talking to you again. Maybe we can meet in person. Love um, to. you know, I just really respect you. So thank you. I respect you, sir. This was a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks, Steve. Bye. Bye. That's it for today's episode of the Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag I got out and join our online community at igotout.org remember love is stronger than mind control and thanks for listening